Hey, welcome back to the safe space. I ain't even gonna slap up and do a long intro, but today I have a special guest joining me today for this episode. So y'all welcome Chris to the safe space. Uh, my boy says he find me special. That's how I know, boys. But okay, <laughs> my name's Chris. <laughs> um, I'm from the Bahamas, same as Antonio. I've been I've known him all of my life. Basically, we saw him together and what's not. But now I'm in school getting my master's in civil engineering. And I'm excited to be on the show to give my intake on whatever we have to discuss today. Right. So you knew him. Do you know what we do on the like? Do you know the premise of this, this podcast? To create a safe space for certain topics, certain controversial topics that, you know, you might find in today's generation. Not necessarily controversial per se, but it was basically a lot of mental health targeted in season one. Not to say that I strayed away from that for the second season, but I just opened it up for like more everyday conversations. So like we went like yeah. did like adulting, like fitness stuff. And then I talked about like the initial conception of the podcast and what led to me creating this podcast. And the thing is, too, like a lot of mental health topics are controversial because some people might not believe in it, which is why I said it could be, you know, controversial stemming from season one. But mm -hmm. I got you. All right. So the the issue at hand today is called As a Man. And the reason I chose this topic as the podcast episode for today is because society today has a lot of societal standards on what they deem is masculine and what they de what they deem a man should and should not do. So basically with the help of this episode and also with the help of this book, shout out to Justin Baldoni for his book, Man Enough, also the Man Enough podcast has also been instrumental in not only funding this, not, not, this, not, not funding, sorry, but founding this podcast, but also this episode. So let's get into it. So let's just start off the top. Um, what, what do you think it is what, what do you what do you what do you think masculinity is to me i mean masculinity could go both ways because then you have like your dominant masculinity where you show some sort of leadership like you show assertion and what's not but then masculinity also falls into having like some sort of soft side being able to be domesticated by someone that you love and care about being able to take in the opinions of others and be able to lead grow and you know just uplift anything around you so basically like there's the terms you have to provide as a man you know so that also includes some sort of masculinity but that's like a brief version of my take of what masculinity could be and what it is so. that's, that's good um so if i could define what masculinity is i feel like now that i've did like a lot of researching and a lot of reading i feel like masculinity is like you said because there's two there's two sides there's like not necessarily unnecessarily like to say feminine aspect of it but it's encompassing both of those aspects into one and also being able to tap into emotions and stuff like that which most people don't deem as masculine so i feel like putting those two together makes the entire thing I agree. I uh, totally agree. I mean, like, and even as a man, sorry to cut you off, no, you're good. but even as a man, like, for me, it took me a while to, I, I lived in, like, this nonchalant phase, like, half of my life, and I realized, like, that's not a, the way to understand women, and, like, if you really want to be a man, 
you have to be able to understand yourself as a man, understand your emotions as a man, mm-hmm. and then be able to understand women's emotions from a man's perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have to be able to tap into all these different like parts of you that you wouldn't really expect to if you really want to feel whole as a man and really create that safe space for your woman to like live in, you know, so she could see you as a man of her dreams. Mm-hmm. Let's just t- let's just tap into um men and emotions for, for a quick second so you know we we both grew up in apartments and you know mental health and stuff of that nature and that so it doesn't exist there yeah so, and being brought up from a child to now an, a young adult i remember always being told oh, like yo boys don't do this boys don't cry boys don't do this i'll oh, stop crying stop doing this stop doing that and i feel like a lot of the reasons as to why i was so like i lost like a lot of touch with my emotions like certain things i should should make me feel emotional, like stop making me feel emotional, certain things that I should be crying about, I never cried about. I feel like it's because yeah. I cried so much in my younger years that I just, I'm all cried out. And it got, it got so bad to a point where, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm in therapy for, I was, well, I'm in therapy. It started as initially me going for grief counseling because I had three deaths that were close to me. And I just never dealt with it and just kept going and going and going because, you know, life goes on, people die every day which is what my mindset about the entire thing was. But my fear about that whole thing was I never tapped into any of those emotions and I didn't want myself to just become so numb to anything and feeling anything to the point where if something dire was to happen, God forbid, my mother was to pass away tomorrow, it's just like, oh, okay, well, mother dead. I got to go to work because I got to make money, you know, and just like push everything to the back of my head, which I was heavy about not doing in the first season of the podcast because it is not healthy <laughs> it it really is not i mean like and like growing up too is hold on is there could we i wouldn't could we like curse on this podcast i just need to go ask. ahead feel free <laughs> okay you know like when you told those cut asses as a kid it's like you know you want me to be like let me give you something to cry for so then mm-hmm. you done crying because you done told this cut up mm-hmm. and now you can cry again but then your daddy can look at you and like he can be like toughen up you know like it, the pain ain't gonna last forever and so, like, that's kind of what was instilled in us as kids. And even then, like, we had a lot of male coaches around us for, like, the sports that we played. Or, like, even us, when we had Miss Malcolm, like, she looked at us differently and she made sure we were, like, built tough. Mm-hmm. You know, stepping on our fingers as a kid, you know, when we step on the, when we touched the wall just to take a breath because we couldn't really swim a full lap. From then, they were teaching us to, like, understand that pain is, like, temporary. And so, because they were teaching us in certain ways where we like felt pain. It's now it's like, if we feel pain, it's only temporary. So we're going to be numb to it, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I kind of felt the same way. Like I've had a few deaths in the last few years where like, I still haven't cried yet, but if I'm being transparent, I mean, it definitely has hit me ha- hard, like really hard, but my out is like poetry. Like how you go to therapy. I write poetry. As I was actually going to talk like, about that, but you already on it <laughs> i like okay for those that don't know me um i've been writing poetry since i was like i don't know 18 or 19 and it started off as like a little joke thing where i just write random topics that was given to me but then as i started to go through breakups and i started to go through debts and other like grieving moments in my life because i couldn't find the energy to cry not even energy to cry but like because i couldn't bring myself to cry I couldn't find an outlet to my emotions. So now it was like, okay, this song made me feel this type of way. So now that I have those emotions built up, it's like, I need to find a way out. 
which is poetry. And so now I'm currently writing book number five. I haven't published any yet, but I'm going to. So when I do, I'm going to let Tony broadcast it. But I've read um, some of them already in the prior years and listen to me. Okay. Y'all think Robert Louis Stevenson skilled with a pen. <laughs> you should you should see book four and five. Like what I write now, the way I write now, it isn't to like just express my emotions. It's kind of like my own podcast. So when people start to read what I write, they realize that they're not the only ones going through something, you know, because I start to take the stories of others and turn it into my own or like start to see my story in other people or other events and I turn it into poetry. You know, and I make it seem I make it as if when you read this, you feel like it's you that wrote this poem. It's you that you're finding your way out, you know. So I hope, you know, there is someday people do get a chance to read this. It's coming. But it's coming in due time. That's the goal for the end of the year to get at least one published, you know, and it gets deeper as like each book goes on. So. That's good. That's deep. And it's funny you should mention that um in season one. Elijah and I talked about like different coping coping methods and coping mechanisms that people use and one of them that we talked about was like journaling or writing stuff down or what's not. And like people always used to tell me, Oh, you should start writing stuff down. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'm gonna put a good hand to save a new pen of paper and write that down. But um with what I've come to realize in regard to death and processing emotions and processing grief is that I realized that I don't necessarily have to cry to process my process grief, you know. And I think that's just the societal standard around grief is that, okay, you have to, you have to cry. Like it is imperative that you cry because someone has died. Uh, and it's, that's not, that's not the case. You can grieve like, in different ways. Like in the Bahamas, you got to be at the funeral of you and hollering over your mommy grave. Then, then was that really your mommy? You know, <laughs> like you got to be, you got to be screaming, I'm suing. And then they got to be holding you back and jumping six feet with your mommy. And so I, like... <laughs> Like, for example, I was at this funeral. My godmother's cousin, no, sister had died, right? And obviously, like, it hit me a bit hard, even though I wasn't as close. But the thing was, like, I was the la- one of the last people to see her before she passed. So it was, like, stunning to me. And then we went to this funeral, you know, like, I'm sitting there. And she said, her sister, my godmother said something. She was like, although you know, we're all here today and my sister is not, she would want us to keep moving forward because at the end of the day, life still goes on, even with her hair, without her hair, you know, like she wouldn't want us to put our lives on hold just because she passed away. Doesn't That doesn't mean you can't grieve, but that doesn't mean you should have your entire life come to a halt just so you could grieve because then at the end of the day, you won't find the energy to keep moving. You know, so you have to keep moving. You have to find time to grieve, but you also have to remember that you still have a life to live and you still have people to provide for that depend on you, that you depend on. So if you stop, everything else stops, mm-hmm. you know, and that flow of your life isn't as fluid as it should be. And then it's going to take a while to get back to where you need to be, which is why like, I th- I think from when she said those words and like I've been to funerals after that, it's like I want to cry and like I do feel sad, but like I just can't find the energy to say I need to put my life on hold just so I can like stop and cry you know like I'll find the time to cry eventually at some point or I write about it mm-hmm. but to say let's let me sit in a room and be depressed for like months on end I can't do it like for example my grandmother's passing was yesterday and you know like I definitely I definitely felt it and then like with Trinity's birthday being like this month like the August is definitely just a rough month in general 
So like the day of Trinity's birthday, I think I sat there all day and I don't think I did anything. I definitely felt like my life came to a halt, which is something I don't normally do. But then there are some days where you just need a day, you know, to come to a halt and to process everything and, you know, just figure out where you need to go next, mm. you know? So. I, I remember the last funeral I went to. The last funeral I went to was my grandmother's funeral. And this was in July of 2017. So we buried her the Saturday, July 1st. And that Monday, I was gone to come to Canada. And I, I only vaguely remember like bits and pieces of this funeral because I was just so overcome. Like I literally just remember coming inside the church, sitting down and leaving. I, rem- I, like, I remember crying and I remember that there was a particular point in time where my brother had asked me if I was going to be able to read the scripture if my auntie couldn't do it. But I, I couldn't even sing the songs. I just was like, a mess like I, I think I was yeah. like, I like not necessarily like passed out like physically but just like mentally I just was like done I mean I mean at least like you're able to tap into those emotions though like some people can't even do it oh god some people can't they'd be like oh you just need to remain strong but like like I said at the end of the day you need time to cry like, mm-hmm. you need time to like process everything around it because then that's also a part of being a man that's what masculinity is all about being able to show that you have some sort of emotion because mm-hmm. being nonchalant like yeah society might be like oh the bad guy always wins in the end because they don't show emotions but in all honesty if you really like look at it most women that i know at least and i talk to them they're like i want a man that shows me his soft side that wants to feel like a big teddy bear that wants to be cuddled and what's not that cries in front of me and even if he doesn't, he'd at least be able to tell me he's sad and needs time alone, you know? Mm-hmm. So the fact that, like, there are guys out there that could show emotion, it shows a lot of, that they aren't conforming to, like, society's standards of what a man should be. And they're finding their own version of what a man actually should be inside of themselves. Mm-hmm. So, And that's uh, that's another thing, because we were taught so often that, you know, men don't cry and men shouldn't just, should just bottle everything up. But it's not healthy. And speaking from... My own personal experience when I was in my last relationship, I never said anything that made me upset. I just, you know, just for the sake of peace, I just kept going with the flow. And then one day I just can explode, which is not healthy because I we've been taught so much that you know, men don't do this, men don't do this, men don't do that. And it's like I don't I don't know how to deal and process and rightly, you know, conquer, divide and conquer, you know. Yeah. Cause then it's hard to like compartmentalize. That word is so hard to say. Oh my god. De- decom- decompartmentalize no like just compartmentalize like putting things in the files inside of your head and it's hard to teach people which is why like a lot of people feel overwhelmed and then they have like a lot of panic attacks because then they're bottling so many things in you know and like it really does take a skill to be able to put something to the side temporarily and be like yeah coming back to this because then they'll start to let something that's not in their control take over their life and then they start to feel overwhelmed and then next thing you know they just explode Mm-hmm. which is why like you see a lot of men that have like a lot of mental health problems because i mean at one point like growing up i didn't re- realize mental health exists you know i thought you know the people on the street just as little crazy but now like you start to like mm-hmm. learn you start to grow and you realize like there are men out there that actually do just want to be listened to that they just need help they just need someone to talk to because then there's just like so much anger and emotion that's built up because they couldn't express it that it forces them to do something out of their nature that they don't really want to do. 
And then, so you have, like, men killing men out here because, like, that's just anger issues built up. They're like, okay, I bet, you know, and next thing you know, they're sitting in the jail cell, like, three years from now saying, I regret doing that, you know. But if it, it could all be avoided, well, for the most part, it could all be avoided if, like, they just had someone to talk to. Proper, proper if they would, yeah, which is what, like, like, I'm appreciative that I found an outlet. And, like, I'm happy that you're in therapy. And, like, I refer people to therapy all the time. But, like, if I'm being continue to be transparent on this topic, like, I personally can't see myself going in therapy. <laughs> like, me and you talked about this the other day. I yes, <laughs> physically can't see myself talking to someone about my problems. Like, don't get me wrong. I do vent to people. You know, I have people that I run to when I'm, like, really deep down and like in my feelings and what's not but like i can't sit down to someone and pay them just to listen to me to give me advice that i already knew the answer to you know and like sometimes like i talk to people and it doesn't even help but i write poetry and i'm like okay i understand this now so like because i was able to find an outlet for myself i can't see myself trying to find a second second outlet Mm -hmm. but i do know people that go to therapy i do know therapists like personally whether they're my age whether they're um 10 20 years older than me and they do such amazing jobs with people one of my very close friends like she ended up going into therapy right before i moved from pennsylvania and she's in such a better headspace now because of it you know i recommended this therapist i was like hey i know this lady go to her she's really good at what she do what she does and now my friend is like an entirely better headspace than she was like a year ago so but for me i like it's just a personal preference no disrespect to the therapist this community like it's just a personal preference that my therapy just happens to be music and poetry mm-hmm. you know yeah so, no um no that's no there's no shame in that it's therapy isn't no. for everybody and everybody has their outlet so you have what works for you that's fine it doesn't always it's not always that easy going for everybody else so once you find something that works for you all you know by all means keep keep at it so yeah, I've, I've been an advocate for therapy since before I even started going to therapy, and I like I said, it's not it's not for everybody, and it's not it's not an easy thing to adjust to. I used no. to be, I kind of still am, but I was ashamed to say that I was going to therapy because that I mean, because then that people meant can that think something you was wrong with me. Yeah, like people can <laughs> think you little, you little, you know, you little ditzy in the head. Yeah, but but <laughs> I, had to, day, it, like, I had to realize me even accepting. The counsel to go to therapy made me strong, made me a stronger man. I agree. And like, because I was a willing lot to admit people, that something was wrong. Sorry. Continue. And a lot of men don't do that nowadays. Like, that's where it comes in building on these insecurities and stuff like that, that we have that we don't address. And like, when I moved to Pennsylvania, a lot of people, everybody was like, yeah, I'm on anxiety meds. Like, I have anxiety. I have OCD. I have a depression. Bro. You know, like, I go to therapy. I go to counseling. I'm like, bro. Like I in the wrong state, like you know, it's, I thought some, I thought I wasn't normal. It's because we're not exposed to it, and I was actually going to touch on that, but I'm glad we we segued segued here. Like moving from <laughs> the Bahamas has opened my mind to so many so many different things. Not even Honestly, on a mental health scale, but just like in general, like things about myself, like things about other people, things about culture. Like I never would have realized that I have insecurities about myself, you know. I never would have realized that mental health was such a big thing. Like outside of social media and what social media portrays about mental health, I don't think people realize like mental health goes a, like a lot deeper than they think. 
the fact that I could go to a school with like 2000 people, give or take, because it was like a small school. And like, I'd say at least 40% of those people saw the therapist. And mm-hmm. I was really close with the people in the wellness center to where I could go in there every day and just talk BS for like hours if I didn't have a class. But I'd meet people walking in and out, you know, going to see this therapist or like one of the therapists. And I'm like, bro, they really have a lot of work on their hands. And then like I have a therapist friend. She just start, she just graduated and started her job. And like she tells me bits and pieces because, you know, HIPAA violations and all that. So she can't tell me everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like she's like, yeah, there there have been patients that came back in three, four different times you know, in the span of her just being there in one summer, like they were there for like a week, got discharged, next thing you know, two weeks later, they're back. So it's like, people struggle, no matter if they have an outlet or not, people will forever struggle with mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think it strives from like inside too. like, you need, you know, you need help, you're talking to someone, but then you have to find that energy, that strength on the inside to tell yourself, like, I need to make a change, you know, and like, it, it's not an easy feat to get over it. But like, it also, to me, I think it starts from within. Mm-hmm. You know, the first stage is acceptance. Like you said, you have to accept the fact that you needed to go and now you got help. And now that third step is like, now you're actually taking that help that you got and actually trying to make a change, trying to give yourself a better life so you don't have to keep going to therapy. Mm-hmm. So you could say, hey, I made it. You know? Mm-hmm. Can we just, can we touch on male insecurities for a second? Oh yeah, we could we could dive into insecurities all day. So when when did you like realize like the insecurities existed for yourself at least? Um, it probably would have been like my sophomore year in college. So like when I moved to PA because I did a year in Canada. Sophomore, yeah, sophomore, second year, right? Yeah. Okay. So like in in Freeport, like. I was definitely <laughs> in Freeport. I was definitely popular. Like I could say I knew a lot of people and my dad, it was through my dad. And then like with me being an athlete and stuff, like I was always putting myself out there. I was always swimming. I was always traveling, you know, so I didn't really feel the need for, you know, to dig deep into myself. Mm-hmm. And then funny thing, like I noticed, like I had conversations with a few of my friends Trinity being one of them because I, I hung out with her 24 7 in school and then they started talking about certain feminine topics and the fact that I was disgusted by it at first like it was period camps you know yes. and as a kid like yes. <laughs> we're disgusted by this topic as males because we don't know anything about it and then the more I started to learn about it like I was like why am I so disgusted by it like you know like what is it that triggers me so then there was one day I pull up to school and I was like, hey, you got to teach me, you know? And so the more they started talking about it, the more I started learning about it. And then I went off to school and it was like, okay, I've started learning about females. Now it's time to learn about myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gives me a better understanding of how I want to be like looked at and treated. And then I started, for some reason, I started comparing myself to people around me. Like I was like, oh, I'm not fit because like I have roles on my side, but like my friends tell me I'm fit all the time because I'm an athlete, you know? And then I'm like, oh, I don't think I look as handsome as the next guy because, like, they're getting all the girls. And I'm just, like, this popular loner that walks around school all day with his headphones in. And then it's like, oh, they have a nice smile, you know. Like, you move to America, and I swear to God, like, everybody have straight teeth, bro. Everybody in their Grammy got straight teeth, dog. I start, um, <laughs> I start Invisalign. <laughs> yeah, but, like, they everybody have straight teeth and thing, and it's like, I grew up in a country where like braces was two three grand, and to us that's expensive. What do you mean? What two two grand? You better talk numbers. 
Talk numbers. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but if you have the hookup, it's going to treat guy. But like everybody paying like tang grand and thing for their braces and they still having braces on to this day because like they can't afford to build because like it's something expensive whereas in the states that's nothing to them mm-hmm. you know and it's like damn everybody got straight to these nice smalls these nice pearly whites you know on some chip skylock my shiny teeth and me type vibes and i <laughs> i sitting over here with this buck teeth at the you know bottom row and like the more i started to compare myself to others and the more i started to be exposed to other people was the more I started to look at myself and be like, why don't I look like them? Mm-hmm. You know, why am I not fit like them? Why am I not strong like them? Why am I not fast like them? And then, so I started my, I started to realize my own insecurities in myself. And it took a lot for me to even accept that. Like I tried to like stop smiling, you know, I tried to just like shun myself from the world because then I just felt like, I guess you could say I felt ugly mm-hmm. in a way. Like, even before this podcast, I was like, bro, you want me on video and I look scruffy right now going to the world because, like, I don't really like to be broadcast knowing that I look a little scruffy, but it's a part of being me. Mm-hmm. You know, I ain't going to run out in this hurricane to go get one little cut before this this podcast. You know, that's risking my life. <laughs> so, I mean, I could go on for days, but I'm, I'm going to let you give your input. I I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> That was good. You said a lot. You said a lot. Um, if I could be completely transparent, completely vulnerable. Um, I think I first noticed like insecurities in myself when I was like really young. And I didn't like I didn't know like what it actually was. And I remember like I had blotchy skin like on my legs and stuff when I was young, because I used to get like mosquito bites and I used to scratch it yeah. up and then like, you know, raisin legs, that kind of thing. And I remember this particular moment where my mommy was at a volleyball game. My mom used to play volleyball and we used to go to watch. And for some reason, I thought to ask her if I was ugly, if I was ugly to her. I don't know why, but then I just remember I was crying because I was like, why do I think I'm ugly? I think it's because she used to make, not necessarily jokes, but she used to be like, oh, your skin's so this, your skin's so that. So I think that's what led to a lot of that. And then growing up and then doing starting and getting into like swimming and then migrating in the track i used to compare myself a lot to like oh i'm not fast like i wish i was fast like that which is yada 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 and i move in here and i developed a, a, a unhealthy healthy addiction to the gym and this mainly mm-hmm. because i didn't like the way that i looked because i was always deemed as too skinny or i needed to eat and what they don't tell you but the gym the gym is a breeding ground for body dysmorphia because no matter how good you think you look you could see yourself and it's like i don't you know, you see the jack guy at the other end of the gym, and it's like, oh, well, I don't compare it to him in any way, shape, or form. So I no. need to continue doing what I'm doing. And it's like, no matter how many people tell you compliments, like give you compliments about like your physique and your progress, you you can't see it for yourself. No, like you're blinded to like how you actually look to someone, which is why like perspective is a whole thing. Because like my friends tell me, oh, like you're so in shape, like you look toned and what's not. But then I go to my coach back home, I go to Miss Malcolm, she like, why your thighs so fat why you got so much pudge why your face so fat and so it's like she's telling me all these things and i already know these things so it makes mm-hmm. me feel like some type of way but then it also puts me in a mindset where like i know what i need to do to lose it you know and then so i have siblings and like you have siblings too right like all of my siblings definitely brighter than me and was not in complexion but like everybody's like oh like your sibling's so cute your sister's so pretty you know what happened to you so it's like everybody asks me what happened to you and I used to go along with it and be like I came out the wrong hole you know well <laughs> so 
I mean, like it builds on the insecurities because people don't realize like the things that they say to people really do like trigger something inside of you, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, but you don't realize it until you start to learn about yourself. And that's where like learning about yourself is a major part to the really growing in life. And that's where oh. I think that's the phase that I'm in now. Like I'm do, do, like doing a lot of like self, this, this, this next chapter of my life has been like, it's been very personal. Like I've been mm-hmm. doing like a lot of solo things for myself because I just, I spend so much time so much of my time sorry like around other people and it's like you know i just need to invest in me for a little bit you know and i have to, yeah, I have I to mean, realize that it's, it's, not, it's not selfish to do that i actually did that and people was looking at me strange because i guess that's not something that people normally do i was like table for one they're like for one i'm like yeah for one so i sat down and they're probably like who broke this poor guy's heart because he's eating here he's eating a steak by himself and it's like i just you know you just I, don't love yourself yeah you know <laughs> So it's I like I'm, I'm learning to to do that for myself, and I it's it's, it's weird at first, but it's definitely worth it. It is like I sent the picture to my parents, and I was like, "Yeah, brunch for one." I had my little margarita in front of me. I'm minding my business, and I go into brunch, and they're like, "Why are you by yourself?" I'm like, "You just need a self care Sunday. Like you had a long week, you need to unwind. Like you don't want to sit back and just drink at home or like you know mm-hmm. sleep all day." So go take yourself out. Go mini golfing by yourself. Go have fun. You never know. You might meet people while you're out and they may turn into lifelong friends, mm-hmm. you know, but you have to take that first step to saying, I need to get up and go. I need to do something for myself there's at a, this point in time. There's an analogy that I saw on TikTok when I referenced in another episode. Can't remember which one, but this girl was like, you had a party, right? You pour on mm-hmm. the drinks, everybody. You pour Sally drink. You pour Michael drink. You pour Jake drink. You pour... And Annabelle drink, right? And when it's time to pour Tony your drink, ain't no more drink left. And it's because you pour all the drinks for everybody that when it's time for you to pour the drinks for yourself, there's there's none left. And it's basically just to say that fill your cup first and then worry with everybody else, which is basically yeah. all boils down to be put yourself first and then put others. My dad tells me that all the time. He's like, he, he used to realize like I used to get overwhelmed I'm not really overwhelmed to the point where I'm about to have a breakdown, but it's like I'm taking on everyone else's problems. I'm not focusing on my own problems, which is like a really bad trait of mine. But he used to call me a sponge for like the longest time. He was like, you need to stop being a sponge to everybody. and like, start just doing it on your own, like focus on your own problems first before you decide to become a sponge for someone else. Mm-hmm. Or if you do become a sponge, don't take in everything, you know, taking a portion of it. But make sure you still have room in that sponge for yourself to soak in your problems and to yeah. soak in what you have to go through, yeah. you know, because there's no one there to wring that sponge out to, you know, empty it out unless it's you. And sponges so, soak up anything you put in it. Anything. So you got to, you got to, you got to filter, you know, you got to like, be careful like what Dawn you're soaking could, up. Like how Dawn could clean ducks and, and oil. You know, and what? You, know what piss, you know what used to piss me off? They used to advertise Dawn as cleaning ducks, but I've never seen them use Dawn to clean actual dish. Get, give me a spaghetti greasy, give me a greasy spaghetti bowl. Put that in a commercial. Let me see how Don can clean that bowl. No, you don't see. No, okay. You know what is one thing I learned too, though? Americans, they different. Like, I use this soap. I use some, the, what are called? The palm, palm, palm olive. Yeah, the palm olive. <laughs> my bad. I couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> the palm olive um, dish soap or whatever. And I go on to wash my hands. Time not a big dip, like hand soap container right next to it. But that's the first thing I grab because, you know, we used to grab the joint and wash our hands. Yeah, any any, she any, was, any soap material is, is soap. Yeah. 
And so the woman looked at me and was like, why you use the dish soap? I was like, but if Dawn could wash ducks, I show up, Pamela could wash my hands real quick. Pamela. <laughs> Pam- Olive. <laughs> no, that's what I call it. I call it Pamela. And she looked at me and she just laughed. And I was like, but Dawn out here cleaning grease and stuff off ducks. But like, I sure this Palm Olive or Pamela or whatever you want to call it could clean my hands real quick. And she just was stunned. And I'm like, that's what you do back home. Like, that's how I was raised. Like, joy is joy is the universal soap. Mm-hmm. Joy can clean anything besides mm-hmm. your body. So, God, please, you think you think it's only you don't clean your body. My exactly. daddy's lucky here with joy for some reason. I don't understand why. He built different. So silly. He built different. Oh, well, the only body I wash him with joy is my the car. That's it. Okay, so we just talked about a whole lot just now, and it was very impactful. So I just want to get right back to the the basis of the entire thing, and basically just about masculinity. And I always felt like I was different from most males, and mainly because I held myself to different standards. And by that, I mean a lot of a lot of men only date certain women, just sleep with them. And that was that's never my intention when I date somebody. So that always made people people would see me as, you know, I'm a homosexual because I don't want to sleep with every girl that I'm dating. Or I don't want to sleep with all my, my female friends because I majority of my friends that I have are female. And Same. It's, people and it's look not, at me as a hoe like that. Oh, a hoe? All through high school, like, I used to surround myself with females. And that's because when after the whole, like, period thing with, like, Trinity and Amadeus, that's when I realized, like, I don't know nothing about females. Mm-hmm. You know? I know the basics, but, like, yeah my mommy teaching me stuff but i need to learn females in my generation for myself and so like i surrounded myself with females and you sit down and you actually talk to a female and they teaching you all there's, there's, things, a, there's like, a lot you can learn by having a female friend you know saying but like people used to be like oh you're such a hoe all your friends is female like you're so friendly i'm like if you want I'm me to glad, be able to treat you when i dating you i'm glad you got you that part I, I didn't get that part i got i gay because i have female friends that's what i got i have female friends that will sleep with them that's what i got i didn't get the use use a hoe i would have much appreciated the hoe over to being called homosexual. <laughs> I mean, I agree, but like it bugged me because it's like when it's time for me to date people, it's like, oh, you telling me, oh, men don't treat you right, men don't do this for you, men, men just toxic towards you, mm. you know, like showing you toxic masculinity, and you just want someone that can make you feel safe. But then when I tell you I have all these female friends, you become standoffish. But it's like the reason I have all these female friends is so I could be able to learn how to treat you when the time, or treat my person when the time is right. Well. Ladies, I single. Just letting you know, just in case someone on this podcast found me cute, you know. (laughs) But um, so it's like, um, I want to be able for myself to be able to understand women a lot better. And then, let's say, God forbid, I become a single dad. Mm -hmm. I need to know how to treat my daughter and raise my daughter in a way where only her mother could raise her. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I can't hit all points, but I need to be able to at least do the basics and show women out there that like there isn't toxic men out there all the time it's like there are still good men out there mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. toxic masculinity has been a thing in this generation and funny you should mention that. i think that's what is causing certain women nowadays to come up with a whole list of things like what men shouldn't do as a man why this as a man why this as a man why are you drinking tea if you're drinking tea you're gay well call me gay because <laughs> i love tea i love tea <laughs> i never did like tea so i wish I, I wish i was a tea bag because i i love tea I think Wait, it's because I... <laughs> I think it's because certain men now they're they're becoming in touch with like certain things that they weren't before, and it's I think it's scary to women because they're not used to it. So automatically you get yeah, 
they're not used to okay first of all touching on the tea topic i used to my mom used to sit me at the table i promise you i used to sit i used to fall asleep at the table with the teacup next to me how much i hated tea <laughs> like me and tea had beef all my life but you could put like a half and half in front of me like a lipton half and half in the bottles or like peach tea is slab i peach tea and raspberry tea i could drink those all day but the second you put a cup of hot tea in front of me that's sitting there all so day, I'm, I'm assuming you don't drink coffee either. Okay, I try. Okay, because, um, so my ex girlfriend got me into coffee. Like I was never a coffee person, you know, and we didn't have Starbucks growing up in Nang, so I didn't know what Starbucks was, you know. Yeah. So I started off drinking like fraps, but now I've made my way to lattes and macchiatos. So that's as far as I've gotten. But to say, let me have a cup of coffee. Though. Yeah, but I was feeling, trust me, I was getting my little pink drink and I'd be feeling nice yeah. and juicy. <laughs> <You know>? Okay, Ken. <laughs> I swear, but like women, women don't understand that men also have a feminine side. Like we're not just toxic. And I definitely did have a toxic stage in my life when I was younger. I mm-hmm. definitely could have played the hell out of women if I really wanted to. But that's a part of me I don't like to go back to because I really like to treat women how they're supposed to be treated. Even if I don't date them or marry them. But it's like, it's I all, could it's still show respect. you that. That's what it goes. Yeah. Like, I want to be able to respect you. Mm-hmm. But like, I, well, I don't even know what I was saying now. Um, what was I saying now? Anyways, as I was saying, I definitely have a feminine side to myself. I will say, I will admit that, like, you know, but women are scared to see that men actually do have that feminine side. Yeah, because, so you know, like, we, oh. we, we, we sassy. We in a sassy, yeah. menop- we in a sassy apocalypse, as they say now. But yeah, and then like with all the gay men and stuff coming out too, it's like, oh, you're showing a bit of femininity. Like, oh, you might be a little, little sus. You need to go join the community. But it's mm-hmm. like, no, I could be the perfect person to sit down at a girls' night and you'd have a better girls' night with me than you things, are with your girls. Two things can exist and, you know, two things can be true at once, you know. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Like, I've been to a few like wine nights with girls. I also drink wine now. Wine is so relaxing. I love, okay, red or white? I'm more of a red wine person. Okay, I'm more of a white wine but I really like fruity wines so like fruity wine like some rosé and like more like sangrias and stuff like that I could drink all day Calarasi good sangria they also have very true Rhine and then they have blush as well also very good so we putting y'all on the good wines we a wine connoisseur yeah know, because like, as, a, as a man why are you drinking wine bro exactly like <laughs> as a man society t- tells me I can't drink wine I can't have my strawberries dipped in chocolate you know, I can't pour some tequila rose in my strawberry because I'm a man. But, like, you... I can't go to a, a women's night because I'm a man. Mm-hmm. As a man, I need to be able to, oh, I need to be able to cut the grass. I yeah, need to be you able know, to change the tire, this... change your oil, yeah. Yeah, these kind of things. But, you know. you know, but yet you still want me to come cook for you after I come from my nine to seven job or nine to five job because seven. I'm a man. And nine to seven. I, you know, I put in a lot of hours, you know, we got to make this bread. But, <laughs> You know, you want me to do all these things as a man, but it's like the co- the question that men also ask nowadays is like, what are you going to bring to the table besides just like the basics of what a woman normally does? Mm-hmm. But like, I would like a woman that could change a tire too, because when I can't like get to her, I want to, I don't want her to depend on a man. Mm-hmm. I want her to, I will show my woman how to change. Okay, a tire I was just about, I was, was going to make a point that these are things that you could teach. Yeah. Like, and if I can't cook, even though I could, like, if I couldn't cook, I want my my woman to teach me how to cook. Because after she had a long day, as a man, I I need to be able to provide. As okay, a man, so I, I need, need to care I for... need to know where you stand on this. I'm just gonna pause right quick because I'm gonna gonna make another point. There's more than one way to provide for women. Okay, boom. Um, where do you stand on gender roles? 
this is a very this is a very touchy well not touchy it's a fine line topic and i have to be complete i don't care who listens to this and they get mad at what i'm about to say but i don't believe in gender roles okay reason being i see because (laughs) (laughs) reason being is because at the end of the day if you come into a household as a man and a woman and things need to be 50 50 there needs to be no roles there needs to be i should be able to be able to do the laundry while you cook Mm -hmm. i should be able to clean while you say, let's go mow the lawn. And that's the thing I learned in Pennsylvania. A lot of women is mow their own lawn. Even though the man in the house doing all these stuff, I like the people I stayed with these last few months, the wife used to go outside and go cut grass every every two, three weeks. Mm-hmm. You know? But like the man, the man in the house was sitting inside, minding his business, or he'd go cook dinner. But it's like, they don't believe in gender roles. You mm-hmm. do what you want. He could do laundry. He could sew, you know? And so people might not believe that they might be like, oh, a woman is only there to provide for her kids and provide and keep the house at home. Mm-hmm. Whereas a man needs to do all the outside work and then also bring income and other things into the household to make it a full home. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, we could both do those things. We could both mm-hmm. go get a job. I won't be a stay at home dad at some point if I'm being completely oh, honest. Really, oh, you really want to flip the narrative. Oh, you That's really, really, really like, going against the grain. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, like if my wife tell me go stay home for a couple of years with my kids, say less i can make sure i have a passive income though but it goes back to like me being younger because i swam so much and because i was in school the only time i saw my dad is when it was time to go work out or if i had a swim meet and he came mm. other than that i wouldn't really see him until saturday or unless we go into church on sunday because i'm he's gone from five i'm at school from you know bmes used to like be in from the crack of dawn you know and then I get home from practice till eight o'clock, nine o'clock. I go into workout afterwards. And then I go in, in my room to go do my homework. Mm-hmm. And he go into bed because he have to be up by four. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want to live that lifestyle when I get older. Like, I want to be able to, I want to have my kids be able to see me every day. Mm-hmm. You know, be able to say, I can't say my dad wasn't present because he definitely was. But I want to like actually be there, you know. So I'd stay home and cook and clean and feed the kids and change pompo any day. If my wife tells me, and I and I and I love that because I also feel the same. So I don't even need to go on my my rant because you just basically summed it up. But I also I love that you mentioned like coexisting, you know, because the Bible talks about women being a helpmate to the man. So, and when we get into talk about like marriage and women and men, they always go about women submit to your husband, but they don't talk about men having to be someone worth submitting to and they also don't label they label sub- submission as like the man is the king and the woman must come with their head bowed like oh my god my king what you want for dinner and it's not it's not about that and i just i just i said all this to say like she can't help you if you're not doing anything that's literally all i all agree i like you realize the only time a man would even be there for a woman <laughs> despite all the dead be dads are dead no disrespect to them because everybody goes to their own problems but it's like the only time you really see a man providing for a woman or a woman asking to be like provided for is when she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Like that might, that might touch a pin on, like push a pin on somebody who listens to this. But it's like when my wife can't move at nine months, you know, she'd be like, Hey, can you make me a sandwich? I'm going to get up and go make her a sandwich. But like, I don't mm-hmm. want that to be the only time I do that. Mm-hmm. If my wife just come home from a nine to five or like, you know, she come home from a seven to three or something like that night home, she say, Hey babe, like, could you make me a sandwich real quick? I just need some lunch. Mm-hmm. I didn't really get a chance to eat lunch because I was busy at work. Sure, you know, no, let me go she, with she coming home with no food ready, and she been to work all day. If I home all day, I have ample opportunity to make something for my wife to eat. Yeah, like I don't care if like I come home after a long day and she asks me to cook. That's fine. I ain't gonna be mad at her. It's a. I, it's I didn't. A, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, you could go. But I was just like, gonna to me, say I that. Just, 
I was going to say it's a it's an ego thing for a lot of men. It's just as to why they don't they don't want to do certain things like that. That's all I was going to say. I ego plays a big role in it, and that's where a lot of men go wrong, and that feeds into that toxic masculinity that women have to be a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like yes, men are held to a certain standard in society, and that's another topic we could touch on too. Like those that's standards that men hold like, themselves currently on the track. <laughs> so, so like, let's keep going. <laughs> we could we could dive into that right after this, but it's like. I don't mind coming home from a long day and cooking, but if I know I home all day, I cooking. Like I can feed my kids, I can do all the stuff, but I can make sure my wife have food when she come home. Mm-hmm. And if the food ain't ready when she come home, the food ready within two hours. Like the bath done set or the shower done hot, you know. But I don't expect the same thing from home because I like to provide. Mm-hmm. My thing is like I like to give access service. I like to be there for people, and that's where like that whole sponge thing comes in from. Like what we was previously talking about. I like to you know, give out to people beside before I give to myself. Mm-hmm. But like I ain't gonna be mad at her because as far as I concerned, she home making my house a home and she taking care of the kids that we raising. You know, she ain't raising the kids and I raising the kids. We were both raising these kids. You know, so if she asked me to cook at seven o'clock at night after I had a long day, sure what she wanted to eat. I ain't made nothing lavish now, but I can make seven for us to at least, you know, get through the night. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekend, I might switch it up and let's make a five cost dinner for Sunday. Cause you know yeah. Sundays we go Sunday, big. Yeah, Sunday dinner, yeah. <laughs> So, but all right, we could dive into the next topic, which was the standards, standards men, that upon men themselves. Set. Yeah, I feel like we take on a lot of different standards than what the actual standard of of men is, and it's just to be present and to be providers. And like I said, like I said before, there's more than one ways to provide for women. It doesn't always have to be financially. It needs to be emotionally. It, it there needs to be like a connection, you know. But we don't see okay. the you don't see the other way. We just see the financial way. Okay, go. <laughs> I have a I have a question. Okay, that that kind of builds onto my question. So it's like a lot of things in society now is like you see men paying forty k a month on child support and all that stuff, right? So it's like at the end of the day, men still providing for women financially. Like that mm-hmm. is something that we see just common. It's a common theme. So do you think like besides ego and pride, put all that to the side, men set standards for themselves based on like what society holds men to or do you think those are two different standards i agree actually because i feel like society tells us we're less than if we can't do that thing if i can't provide for my family i'm less of a man if i can't provide the spousal support for my significant other i am a deadbeat father Mm -hmm. so we we adapt that mentality from society which leads me to this thing that i'm going to play for my friend hold on hold on before you play that right okay i quick thought do you also realize that like besides society's stemming well pushing this agenda or these standards on men these standards also come from our like predecessors as well like you think about they talk about 70 like i got and, like, yeah. and stuff like that yeah, like they'd be like, oh, grandma used to stay at home all day, you know, just pushing out kids all day. But yeah. daddy used, to, I mean, grandpa used to come home with, with money, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like from a, then it was like men were supposed to provide and the main yeah. thing was financial. A lot of what and, we do now in life, I realize is what we see other people do. We replicate a lot of what we do now. And you mm-hmm. have to realize that. So what I'm about to play is a conversation I had with a friend of mine. We were talking about basically the different way the different things women and men do like men really don't compliment each other and stuff like that so just give this a listen telling me you don't see anything wrong 
with a random male that I've never met, never had any interaction with, complimenting me and telling me sex, telling me I'm sexy. I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if girls could do it, then boys should be able to do it too. Y'all, like I said, y'all is me crying up and down. <laughs> oh, the world only want me for my money. Oh, a man only supposed to work hard and dead. Y'all is me running off with this for days. People trying to build community with y'all and what y'all do. Say it, when You don't, you know, Andre, you don't y'all, build community by saying you're sexy. If y'all would start pissing next <laughs> If y'all go to bathrooms and use, if y'all would start complimenting random other niggas, then y'all could make community. No, see, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disputing complimenting other niggas, but I'm just saying sexy is such a strong word. I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfy because I don't know you. That's weird. Get to know it. Hey, you so sexy. Hey, you sexy. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Clearly, she wants us to like mine. Clearly, <laughs> she wants us to like mine. No disrespect to you know, <laughs> the gays and stuff out there, right? But like, okay. First of all, let's dive into the whole the peeing topic. I need to discuss that first. Okay. There is guy code. There's an unspoken there is, rule about there, the, the bathroom. Is, <laughs> yes. And there is, it's even the same like when I park a car, like I can park in between two cars unless I really have to. You know, I'm, and that's, I'm, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm reverse parking it. I don't care where you, I don't care. What, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just parking. If I see a spot, I'm parking it. But so, like, continue. No, it goes back to like I don't know if you ever watched like MTV and stuff. They had the show Guy Code on it, yes. and they this like there was Guy Code and there was Girl Code. Girl code. You learned a lot from those shows. I don't even lie, but like the big thing, the big debate on that was the the peeing rule. And every man knows, especially if those urinals do not have a wall a between separator. them. Yes, every man knows that you do not go in between two men, and Unle- if- unless. You have to because there's nothing else available. That's the only exception. And yes. even then, and when you pee, you look straight to the wall. You don't. You don't turn back. your head or nothing. You don't you look, look left or look right. And that, and you only see occasions like that when like the bathrooms are full. Like if you go to like a game or something like that, you know, like a big event. Mm-hmm. That's only when you see unless unless people just don't care. America has this notion where they just don't care. They they do whatever, which and I respect. Also you know? that way as well. And it's, freedom it's, of it's, speech. It's different for me because I'm not used to that. I'm not used to yeah, someone like, coming directly to next to me in the bathroom to pee and then one start the con- one start a conversation. What is that? What is that a talk about? Like, and it's so different because women could go in the bathroom in groups, like six of them, and one person got to pee. You know, six of them go into the bathroom, but as a man, facts, they, one they of us go into the bathroom because I want you. What, what, what are you going to do in the bathroom with me? Like I understand a woman going to the bathroom with another woman for protection purposes and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I get. Or like that. the touch of their makeup. I understand that portion, but the fact that the two y'all can sit in the stall. I mean, there is that thing where like they did say they were like helping each other up like over the stall or whatever, so they didn't have to sit down on yeah, the toilet they, seat. They be they be hovering because them toilet seats. Okay, so seat. like if so that's that the aspect, case, like, I understand. <laughs> yeah, but I can't go in the bathroom until the guy behind me. I mean, the guy would be like, "Hey, wash my back while I take a piss." Like, who's coming to no. get you? You're peeing. Pee on them. Pee on them. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, like just stop peeing. But like, you can't stand next to me and hold a conversation. And then what bugs me too is the guys that come in. Nobody's in the bathroom. You walk in behind them, and they decide to go. If it's three urinals, they go to the middle one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and, bro. And, well, meanwhile, you, I'm on the one on the end, right? Yeah, but like, you forcing me 
So it's either like you meet me at the end when you come to the middle. That's one problem. Mm-hmm. But then if you go to the middle before me and it leaves only the two open two. ones on the end, it's like, do I just wait it out or do I go next to him and just start being? Yeah. You know, like even with the dividers there, it's still a hesitation because I personally don't want to. And like a lot of men are taller than like the, the dividers itself. And this is so it because like, now are you looking at me, please? Yeah, they be like, wait, how you think how you think that gal is out there, you know? And they they looking over at you and it's like, bro, it's like calm, like, like don't do know. that. I shy, don't no. do, don't do that to me. <laughs> okay, okay, diving into that whole shy thing. Okay, the whole the first part of that voice note with us complimenting, the, the complimenting. Other okay, okay, this pause. this is pause. A very... I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pause you quick. I read in this book, Mad Enough by Justin Baldoni. I also listen, they have a podcast as well called the Mana Podcast. And they mentioned on this podcast that um in regard to like fitness and stuff, like they say um men work out for other men. And by that, not to say in a home like a uh, homosexual kind of way. It's just that when another man compliments your physique in the gym, it like it boosts your ego more than it does when, when a female does it. That's just okay. yeah. Continue. That, I mean, like that's where you see men actually being men because they're not judged by women inside the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, you complimenting someone's physique, be like, hey, but I like the way your back looks or whatever. Like, that's a nice, like, you know, and like, it looks very toned. I like, they ain't saying it like that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> that's, but, like, I, that's I, I get it though. You understand what I'm saying. Yes. <laughs> but it's like, I'm not going to go out in public and look at a guy and say, but you look handsome. You're so, like, you're so sexy. Like, yeah, sexy I can tell you I like his shoes. Strong word. Yeah. Like, I I can tell you you handsome. I can tell you you have like your fit nice or like I like your your shoes or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I feel like especially if I around women, imagine me being around a group of girls and I go to this random guy and be like, you look you look handsome today, bro. You you fine. You so fine. Yeah. Right? Like I can be like they can be like, what? Like why <laughs> you just do, like you know you you part of the girls club now? Like they can start questioning yeah. your masculinity. Mm-hmm. And it's, so it's like men would probably be willing to do that. If women did not kind of shun that notion, unless like the only time they don't shun it is like when they know the guys are close. Like for you, mm-hmm. you could send me a snap and I'd be like, you're looking kind of handsome today, you know, because I'm like trying to boost your ego as a man, as a friend, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the only time women don't really frown upon it because then they know the type of dynamic that we have. And have. I feel like that's the only exception, like a random stranger telling me that I sexy. No, no I don't, like I don't know you. That's where I'm calling the police. Yeah. Like, I just come up to me, tell me my fit look nice, or tell me you like my shoes, or let's have a conversation about shoes. But, like, then, don't come up to me and tell me that I look handsome or I look sexy, because then, like, I'm going to low-key feel some type of way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, if, if a Grammy come up to me and tell me that, oh, I'm blushing air to air, you know, I frolicking through the, through the rest of the, the store, because Grammy tell yeah, me you, you skip it. But what's yeah. funny, though, I think stuff like that is, this that why is, Stuff like that is why I feel like it's easier for males to stay friends, because like we like remember the like the the, the smallest things. Like we and you've been friends like for pretty much all my life. Yeah, like we don't talk every single day, but we still cool. Yeah, and I feel like compared to like with with female relationships, it's like one girl do one wrong thing, and now they they boom, they excommunicated from they, they done they they done they beefing for the rest of their life because they they slip up once. And that's but like, I feel like men, men I feel like men just don't care. No, <laughs> no. I was like, you could be in touch with your emotions, but at the end of the day, like, what's one slip up? Like, that's one mistake. Mm-hmm. But 
sometimes like I wouldn't say all the time, but sometimes men have a better understanding than women in a situation. And because I guess because men aren't as emotional, we're not going to be so quick to react with emotion mm-hmm. unless it's like anger and stuff like that. But like we wouldn't be so quick to cut somebody off because then you just need a break a couple days and then mm-hmm. you straight. You know, unless like you just need to fall back and like you, it becomes from an everyday thing to like once a month thing. But like you still cool with that person. You could still hit up that person and go grab a drink or like go talk for a bit, you know. But right. it's also continue that, that, go. That made you me think of something as well in regard, in regard to male friendships. How are they different from female friendships? So on the Marlin of Podcast, I should get paid for the amount of times I promo on <laughs> this podcast. They no, mentioned, affiliate marketing they mentioned that um, women do friendships face-to-face and men do friendships shoulder to shoulder which is scarily true because rarely you see another man sitting in front of another man like at a restaurant you mm. more you normally see them next to each other either at the bar watching the game whereas women they go and they get brunch and they sit opposite from one another and this is cool yeah. and one of my new my new my, my newer guy friends, Michael, when we first started our friendship, we started at a like at a Wendy's. And he was opposite me and I was opposite him. And I'm starting to learn like the uncomfortableness of eye contact. Yeah. Because I don't I I personally I have I think I have ADHD. So I have to, I can't stay focused for too long. So I have to look at something else. And I can't honestly I can't look directly into your face, into your eyes, sorry, for that like extensive period of time because now I can feel like yeah. you think I creep, I like, mean you don't see me I looking out my window. So I gotta I gotta I gotta glance at something like, else and then can then come I back at you. my window, my TV, like I, I totally get that. I'm like you do have you ever noticed the way like men and women start friendships? Like how the girl in the voice note was talking about, oh, you could just compliment them and you know become friends. Women do that. Yeah. You know, a lot of pretty saying. girls. She's saying men don't girls. do that. And because that's not how men fr- start friendships, and that's like something she has to understand. Like, women could go online and comment on a gal picture and be like, "You so fine." Kind of, they never speak a day in their life. They just mm-hmm. follow each other, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, "Oh, thank you so much." Boom, they're friends. But then you realize the way men become friends, it's like you look at them once, head nod. Yeah, and it's the like next the day, simplicity the of it, especially in the gym. It's like one. Like I have this 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 guy in the gym. I've never spoken to him physically out of my mouth. I've never gotten his name. He's never gotten my name. But each time he give me a dap, and that's just it's just like the, sim- the exactly. simplest thing. Exactly. And like I could see him out, and I could have a whole conversation with him, like I knew him. But that's because we developed some sort of bond, like just doing something or just seeing each other every day. Mm-hmm. But like I don't have to co- text you or compliment you just to become friends with you. Like that, men and women work differently in terms of how we create friendships and how we maintain friendships. Mm-hmm. And that's why like you see a lot of women nowadays going to men for like guidance on friendships. Cause like, Oh, you might have a better understanding. How do you, how would you handle the situation? Mm-hmm. You know? Cause then they don't want to think a lot of women are shifting from thinking emotionally to thinking logically now, whereas a lot of men are thinking are shifting from becoming logical thinkers to emotional, emotional thinkers. thinkers. Yeah. And so like it, the matrix is just like shifting in on itself. And now I feel like it's helping because men start to understand women's side of things from the emotional standpoint and women start to understand men from the logical standpoint, even though men still do dumb things and still don't live as long as women, but it's fine. That's just guys being guys. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. I actually had a a funny story to share about a friend of the gym that I, a, a gym friend that I made. So, but I used to see him around at the gym a lot. And I remember one day he had on these, like, these nice shorts. And I was like, oh, like, where you get your shorts from? And he told me where you get a shorts from. And that was that. And then randomly I went out last year 
I was going to the bathroom. He was coming out of the bathroom. He looks at me and he's like, good for less? And I was like, yeah. And then boom. <laughs> so just, like it just See? goes to show like it takes very little. <laughs> yeah, it's men are very simple creatures. Very low maintenance. Very, very low maintenance. But I mean that voice note in the whole it, it is funny. Your friend is definitely funny. But like it was she... it wasn't it wasn't meant to be nothing serious, but I feel like there was just like a lot that we that could be unpacked from it. Yeah. And even then, like the funny things you could still like learn from too. It show it still would show someone's like lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. Not lack of not to be on, on, on both on both parts. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like I mean, there are still things I don't know about women that I would love to understand about women. And I think we day. just have to accept the fact that there is not we will not fully understand everything about the female species. No. But even even when men say we are very simple creatures, sometimes men tend to be pretty complex. Mm-hmm. Especially a man that knows his worth. Oh, that's he, a dangerous man right there. That's a, <laughs> he's no he's no longer simple. He's simple in the fact that you could do any simple thing to make him happy or smile, but to say you he's not gonna to accept treat him any, right, any old thing. Yeah, like you have to he have to be head over heels for you to accept any old treatment. But he's not gonna take these oh, simple man. treatments yes. as like, you know, his form of love because that's not how he wants to be loved. Uh-huh. Like true and for me, I trying to be the little spoon in the bed. I sorry to say Listen, like, I love a cuddle. <laughs> that's what like, like like I like to be as a man, like I love to be held. Like I'd be like, hey, you trying to, you trying to, you trying to, you know, you trying mm-hmm. to give me that little, that little, that little, little spoon cuddle, mm-hmm. and that's just me. That's because like, I, I, that's just, I just in touch with myself. Like I in tune with myself. In touch sound like so wrong. I in tune with myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like I understand myself. Like I definitely love cuddling people and holding people, but like I also want to feel safe as a man. I would like to feel safe in my woman's arm as well. You know, so like it goes both ways at the end of the day. How do you feel with something on the topic of like embracing? How do you feel about men? How can other men? Honestly, I don't. I mind feel like I feel like up. we I feel like we we lack a lot of that, and we I do, think I think like, it's it stems from our fathers not doing it to us. I can't speak for every single person <laughs> in the world, but I'm just saying I just feel no. like a lot of it stems from upbringing. And, yeah, yeah, I agree. And then like a lot of things is like you just dab each other up and you go about your way because that's your form of you know that's your version of hugging or like you know you do the whole like handshake and then like bring each other into kind of like a pat on the back type of thing Mm -hmm. but i mean i've had my fair share of bro hugs like just recently i had a teammate like he we used to dive each other up all the time but like as we started getting closer to like the end of our senior season and like knowing that we're done completely like we started actually bro hugging each other you know like we looked out for each other and we just like come bring it in like let me just give you a hug and like Mm -hmm. It makes you feel safe in your masculinity because, like, you could hug another man. Without like, it's being... not frowned upon. Yeah. yeah. Like, men should be allowed to hug, hug other, other men, men without it being... Being weird. Especially, like, if you want to see them after a long time... Come, come, here, come here, come here, come here, come here, yeah. Yeah, let me, let me give you a hug, like, what's, you know? what's, what's funny about that, I had a friend of mine, Um, this was years ago, he actually he texted me, and he's like, bro, I need a hug. Are you home? I'm like, yeah, come. He come, I give him a hug, and then boom. Like it's Sometimes you just you just never just know what that hug, does bro. with somebody. It like, and then the whole like kind word things like you never know what it does to like a man just saying you know, hey, I like your smile. You know, like hey, you just look nice today. Mm-hmm. Hey, I like your energy. Like these small words, women 
get compliments all the time, if I'm being completely honest. Like, they get compliments all the time. And as a man, getting a compliment from someone you don't even know, it, you know, it brightens your day. Mm-hmm. definitely i definitely still will not call a man sexy i'm so sorry i cannot do that yeah unless not, you're like I'm, I'm my not, close friends I'm not, I'm not there yet and i don't think i'll ever get to that point yeah like <laughs> i can get off with my close friends and say you're looking at sex today but they know i'm being serious and that's and you that's know, the difference I, it, it, there has yeah. to be a certain level of there's levels to this you know but it has at to the end of the day i can be like June, I, you're looking nice today like you're looking handsome today i hope you have a good day and that's when i'm being serious but if i come in and chat you're looking sweet eh you know, like, like I messaged my friend the other day because it was his first day, um, his junior or senior year, I think it was, and I was just being like very, just goofy, and I he posted a picture of like the table, and you could see like his knees, and I was like, hey, I don't want to be like admiring your legs and the table. I prefer to be admiring your face, you know, because you know you're looking handsome. <laughs> but that's just me being a goof because like yeah. now it puts a smile on his face as a as a close friend. I'm putting a smile on my close friend's face. Mm-hmm. But two to one, I'm not being serious about like admiring him because yeah. that's just not me. Yeah. But that's just like the type of dynamic and friendships guys could have after a long time of just like being friends. You could be goofy and start to show a bit of like soft side, like feminine side. You know, give me compliments and stuff like that while still being masculine at the same time because I know you're not straying away from your masculinity if anything i know you're... it makes you more masculine to say exactly to not say anything at all and that, like i said yeah. to, coexisting two things can be true at once but yeah two we, things we, can we, be true at once we talked about a lot this episode you know what i'm actually really grateful for you coming on and actually having this conversation with me because this is no conversation i could have had by myself and i'm very appreciative of you coming on we wrapping up with time is there anything else you want to say or share before I close um, this out. I, I'd like to say I appreciate you for having me on. You know, it was definitely definitely a fun call. I definitely would, you know, if you have me on at some other point, I would definitely love to be on again. But before we leave, let's rock, let's find out the vibe of me and you wearing the same color shirt. I, 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 see, I was I was going I was waiting. It was it was <laughs> killing me. It was killing me, bro. <laughs> I wanted to say that from the beginning of the call and I was like, bro, why are we wearing the same color shirt today? Like it's a little sussy. You gonna be like you know, it's like, so you, bad. It's crazy. Wait, I swear you like me, but you <laughs> See, this is us goofy. This, this is healthy masculinity right here. <laughs> yeah, this is like happy masculinity. Like we ain't gonna think about each other in no type of way. Just two guys being guys. But I hope that whoever listens to this podcast, this episode, that they really learn, especially like from a women's standpoint, you start to understand men a bit more. You know, because there are things women could still learn about man in this generation. So, yeah, safe space. And literally all all it comes down to is end of the day is I want to change the narrative from as a man, why are you this? As a man, why are you this? To as a man, why are you not? Why are you not embracing emotions? Yeah. Why are you not doing these things that we just talked about? Because if I could be honest, I feel like that's what masculinity and that's what being a man is all about. And you can read more about it in Justin Vardoni's Man Enough. And you can hear more about it on the Man Enough podcast. <laughs> We need to send this podcast in affiliate marketing. Don't trust at me. He will be tagged. He will be tagged. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I got to say for today. Thank all you all right. for listening this far into the episode. Once again, thank you, Chris, for joining me in the safe space. Yes, sir. My name is Antonio. I'm Chris. And this has been Safe Space.